Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Marked Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Mary Margaret West and Elizabeth Heineman. Each episode, we'll talk about what God's doing, how he has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We are so glad you've joined us today. We are so glad that y'all are back with us for another episode of the Mark Podcast. Um, it's It's been a fun season so far, hasn't it, Elizabeth? Yeah, we've gotten to talk to lots of great people and talk about lots of interesting topics, so I'm excited. I know. It's been, it's been a real blast. And just, we were looking the other day, um, if you guys have not seen it yet, we named um, winners for the giveaway that we did on the yes. Reference Desk episode. And so um, they have been sent their encouraged devotional Bibles, and so mm-hmm. those are on their way to them. Um, but thank you so much for all of you who have left ratings and reviews that makes such a huge difference um and just people being able to find the podcast and knowing about it and all that kind of good Mm -hmm. stuff so thank you for doing that and if you have not done that yet we would love for you to um hop on itunes or wherever it is you listen and leave a rating and review of the mark podcast yeah and but today we are super excited um to have melissa kruger with us so melissa welcome to the mark podcast um, thanks so much for having me. It's a treat to get to be here with you too. Absolutely. We're really looking forward to our conversation. And I was telling Melissa a minute ago, I, um, Elizabeth and I both went to the Gospel Coalition for Women conference this summer and both are also readers of the Gospel Coalition's yes. blog and all of that kind of stuff. And so I actually sat in on two of Melissa's breakouts this summer. And so when it was like, hey, you know, somebody said, hey, do you want to reach out and, you know, talk to Melissa about, you know, have her on the podcast? I was like, Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're, look, we're looking forward to hearing from you today. But Melissa, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, you know, your family, all of that kind of stuff. Yes, I um, I have three kids. So right now my life is filled with a 17-year-old. My son is getting ready to turn 15 this weekend. Mm. And I have an 11-year-old daughter. Uh, my 17-year-old daughter is in the middle of college applications. Ooh, fun. Um, so I am using all my editing skills to help yes. her. Yes, I bet. <laughs> um, which, which is really fun. But I work for the Gospel Coalition as an editor, and I'm, I'm helping them now, actually. I've, I've changed positions a little bit, so I'm going to be helping with the national, the women's conference, the large women's conference. And I'm also, I work at my church in women's ministry. So I feel like, um, sometimes I feel like 
yeah, I'm running around crazy. Mm-hmm. But generally, I really love how my jobs work together because doing what I do in the local church keeps me very grounded in the real problems of real women. Um, and then I get to do that kind of on a national stage with TGC and help get articles and content that's going to help that real woman in the real church. So it's really a beautiful relationship between the two jobs that I get to do. So I'm very thankful for that. My husband, I have him too, my <laughs> husband, and he, he um, is a professor at Reformed Theological Seminary and he teaches New Testament. So he oh, is wow. my theologian in my back pocket mm. that when I have questions and I'm writing Bible studies, I can just... Rather than have to go to all the commentaries, I'm very spoiled. I just <laughs> call him and say, can you explain this to me? Um, and it's it's really a blessing to have a husband who has a lot of great answers for me really quickly. So I bet. I would, I would love to have a theologian in my back pocket. I know. I was just thinking. <laughs> I'm like, who could be that for me? <laughs> I, know. I know. It's it's a real treat. It's mm. a It's a big help. I bet it is. Um, Well, we were taking a look at your new Bible study in all things. um, Mm -hmm. That's a devotional Bible study on joy, but it, it really walks through the book of Philippians, right? It does. That's exactly right. So it's a, um, it has, you know, it's the classic five days of homework for, for the week, but it really does. It just goes through Philippians. And what I was so surprised by when I studied the book was Paul's, you know, as he looks at this concept of joy, he's just writing a letter to people he loves. But there are these little hints all through the letter of where Paul finds his joy. Mm-hmm. And I just was so struck as I read it time and time again, how his joy was so different for where I go looking for joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, it's such an encouraging book. But um, I think especially in the age we live in, um, it's really encouraging to see what he had to say about joy. Absolutely. And just kind of like where we are culturally and, you know, in our current society and world, you know, it's it is a struggle to have joy Mm -hmm. in all things and to really find joy and to dig in and and dig deeply that way. You know, because I feel like everything that we're reading on social media or the news just like has this like scary, frustrating, you know, sad overtone, you know, that really, I think a lot of times robs us of joy. And so how, like, how can we, you know, from what you learned in Philippians and, you know, through Paul's writing, like, how can we still have joy where we are right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think in our time period, we have more access to all the difficulties in the whole world than we've ever had before. it, It really is overwhelming. It is very hard Um, And we shouldn't live lives where we stick our head in the sand and never look at the heart of the world because it's there. Um, And so what I always want to say when we and when we look at Paul's joy, his was not a naive joy either. Mm -hmm. Um, He, you know, he was writing the letter from jail. Right. (laughs) Um, And he was in jail for 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 the very that he had proclaimed his faith. So he understood well. Um, how suffering can come because of faith and of doing actually good things. He was suffering as a result of doing, doing good to others. And, you know, what I think we find when we look at him um, is that he was so rooted in the God who was over all the circumstances he encountered that he could find joy knowing that no matter what happened, God was going to be working it for good somehow. Yeah. And so he didn't always rejoice. You know, I don't I don't think we would have seen Paul saying, 
hey, I'm so glad I got beaten again today. I don't he, right. I don't think we have to ever believe that we rejoice in the evil. You know, I mean, we should mourn the evil. We should hate the evil of the mm-hmm. world. But we can rejoice in the God who is over all of that and can somehow work good from evil. And we know that he can do that the cross. The cross is the most evil event ever happened in human history. And God worked it for good. Yeah. Um, that we can be in fellowship. You know, so if he can work the most evil event that ever occurred for good, surely somehow the mess that we're seeing, um, God has the power to redeem and work for good. And so I think that's where we can find joy um, is in the God who who's over the circumstances, not the circumstances themselves, because sometimes they're really difficult and we should mourn yeah. what is mm-hmm. going on. And kind of tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Um I'm always asking that question and my uh, fellow editors make fun of me, but I'm just, I wonder what that, what does it look like to rejoice in the God who is in control while everything seems out of control and thing, evil things are happening in our world? What, how practically is that lived out and how do, how do we uh, still rejoice in the midst of that? And how is that not opposed to caring about God's children who are suffering mm-hmm. and image bearers that are also, you know, suffering? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I love how Paul said that they, that he was, I think he's writing to the Corinthians um, and he says, they're sorrowful yet rejoicing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful picture. I think that mourning and sorrow can walk hand in hand with joy and they are not in opposition to one another. We Mm -hmm. often think they are. Um, And, and I really believe as we walk through this world, the way I like to say it is the way to have present joy or present contentment is it's rooted in a past truth and a future hope. And that past truth is that no matter what happens in my day to day, my soul is eternally safe because Jesus saved me. So I can look back to cross and say, you know, it, it's, it's like Horatio Spafford. I don't know if you know the story behind yeah. him. It is well mm-hmm. with my soul, mm-hmm. but you know, he lost, I think all of his daughters in a shipwreck, um, and he got to the place where they had they had died when he was coming over crossing the ocean. And he wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And so we can look back, no matter what happens to me in this earth, I can always look back and say, it is well with my soul. Yeah. That is never going to change. And there's something about that, that on the hardest day of our life, when we lose the person we love the most in all the world, I can still say it is my soul is safe because Mm -hmm. God has saved me. And then we look forward to a future hope and we say one day a place is coming where there will be no more mourning. There will be no more tears. There will be no more evil and that our, our home is coming. And so we look forward and there's something that brings joy. You know, when you know you have a vacation coming up, I don't know if you're this way, when I know very practically that in six months, my husband and I are going on a trip. I feel a little joy today, just looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. that's what, what the hope of heaven does for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we say, mm-hmm. oh, it's coming. Right. It's coming. I just got to get pushed through this. Something better is coming. And that gives us, I think, joy in the midst of a world that's very broken yeah. and very hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we see that more than ever before. And I, I think, think to these days, that is some of our greatest witness is that even in the midst of the hardships and 
everything that's happening in our world, like the seeming chaos, um, that we have that hope and we have that joy even in the midst of that. And and that's what the world takes note of. They're like, how is it still well with your soul in the midst of all of this? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a powerful witness that we see in Paul's life. Yeah. Absolutely. I love how I think it's first Peter. It says, always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you right. have. Yeah. And, you know, we spend a lot of time in evangelism classes thinking through, oh, well, what reasons would I give them? How do I share my faith? But then I step back sometimes and say, how many people have actually asked me about the hope that I have? Yeah. You know, does yeah. my life is so different than the world around me? that I shine a different sort of hope that people are actually coming up and asking. And it's very convicting when I think about that, because I'm like, Oh, maybe I look just as hopeless as everyone else. Mm. So how, you know, it really, it really is a, it's a witness to other people that something's different about them. Oh yeah. And And I think that's encouraging to think about. It really is. And I think it's those moments too, when you can, you know, when you're sitting like, I feel like the, cliche term is like in the waiting room at the doctor's office and Mm -hmm. you can look around the room and like there are people that like I've just like you'll you'll you can see the joy on their face Mm -hmm. and just like you go you look at them and go you know Jesus don't you like you just it's like you can just see it on them in a in a palpable way that then like maybe five minutes later you're seeing like you're hearing their conversation and yes that is in fact true and just that when we um, have that joy and when we have that hope it it changes our countenance Mm -hmm. and it changes the way that we go about doing what we're doing and it it makes a huge difference and people do ask about it which is why we always have to be prepared to answer yes exactly For sure. It's, right. It makes a big difference. And so like as you, you know, as you minister to women, you know, through mm-hmm. your local church and, um, you know, through the the broader scope of the Gospel Coalition, you know, how what are you seeing, um, you know, that women are dealing with or, or walking through? You know, we've got a, a wide variety of women who are listening today, um, but just kind of what are some of the things that you're seeing on the landscape of issues or challenges in women's ministry or, you know, through the local church um, and just kind of in the broader church as well today? Yeah, that that is um, <laughs> that's a great question, because the thing I see the most, I feel like we as women feel so busy mm. um, with life. And um, there's something about technology, I think, that is interplaying with that, that we'll probably in 10 years look back and all understand a lot better than we do today. Yeah. But I almost think with the advent of you know being able to see, like for me to be able to see what you're doing on a Tuesday, almost rather than just say, Oh, that's really fun that they're doing this. Now I feel like, Oh, I need to go with my family to, you know, apple picking in the fall or else I'm a failure (laughs) as a mom or something like Mm -hmm. that. You know, we, it, it puts all this pressure on us to do everything and be everything. And I, I, so I see women in the church and I feel like we're dealing with a high level of one, a high level of a fear of failure, um, and a high level of, I need to do everything and have everything here. And I think that's coming from, we can see everybody's experiences and things so much more easily now. Um, but I think what, what can be neglected in that is just time sitting, reading our Bibles and praying for our families and praying for our coworkers and, um, 
just that stillness is really hard in our day and age. And I think it's because we have at every moment we can be entertained. Even if my entertainment is just yeah. looking at Instagram pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And that's really one of my favorite ways to be entertained. I love looking at, <laughs> at um, what other people, you know, it's just fun. It, it's a fun way. But I, I realize um, I need that stillness and time with the Lord to actually pray for my friends and pray for my family and be in scripture or else I can get busy to the point where I'm, I'm like, what am I even doing with my life? Yeah. W- what is it all about? And I'm so forgetful um, that I really need that daily time with the Lord. And I think when I look at the scope of what's happening, I feel like sometimes we're almost like ping pong. Um, what's the game where you're um, pinball? Pong, you know, pinball. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> we're going from one thing to the other. And we just feel like we should do this and do that. And we're like, what? Yeah, we, without stepping back to say, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Um, I feel like we can just jump from thing to thing and it can busy us unnecessarily um, and to the point of exhaustion, absolute exhaustion. That's why I would say I see a lot of women um, in my church context. I don't know if you all feel that as well, but that's what I see a lot of in the, in the places I'm, I'm ministering. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, and I think right now with technology, and it's funny that with this new like iPhone update that I just did, you know, not too long ago on my mm-hmm. phone, you know, it now gives you like exactly how much time you're spending on every single app and ways to like shut down apps <laughs> after a certain amount of time. And like, and even like yesterday I was messing with it and I turned on a feature that like from, I set it from, I think 9 PM to 6 AM or 7 AM um, that I would like, I couldn't access most of the apps on my phone. Oh, wow. And, um, and so this morning, like usually like when I'm getting up and like kind of brushing my teeth and stuff like that, like I'll be scrolling through my phone and this morning, like it was all locked up and I was like, what? I can't look at anything. And then it was, it was a good reminder of how quickly I pick up my phone in the morning. And, you know, even last night before I went to, you know, my husband and I were watching TV and, um, and I I was doing like, it was past nine o'clock and I was like, oh shoot, like I can't, I locked, I did this for a purpose so that I wouldn't be doing this. And, and it's funny how, how many time fillers and and I think phones are the the easy one to target because it's it's where a lot of us are um you know but then too I've talked to so many women over the last few months or over the last year who have said I've deleted Facebook I've deleted Instagram like I just needed mm-hmm. a break from seeing all the stuff and from seeing what everybody else was doing and really focus on where I am and what I'm doing. And, um, and I think we've got to learn our own limits in some Mm -hmm. of those moments and not be afraid to be different and to get off if you need to, and to take a break and, um, you know, but to, to figure out where our focus needs to be and to, like you said, spend that quiet time with the Lord where we aren't distracted. Because even for me, like now that, you know, with my Apple watch, like all these technology things mm-hmm. that are so great, like I can, sometimes I just want to turn it off. Like, so that all I can do is see the time because like, I'll be sitting t- intentionally talking to somebody and right. I, then my, my watch is buzzing and I'm like, but I put my phone away, but now I have a watch that tells me. So it's just all <laughs> all the things and mm-hmm. every everybody's busy and everybody's got a lot of stuff and it's hard to it's almost like a competitive game some days yes it feels like what well, mm-hmm. i'm busier than you are and let me yeah. tell you the 57 reasons why so <laughs> but yeah it's an it's an interesting time right what are some yeah. ways uh melissa that you ha- like give women to to take on this challenge of finding more space in their life. Yeah. Like what are some practical tips that you give? I, I really like Mary Margaret's about the iPhone update. I did. I haven't updated yet, so I didn't know that <laughs> that was a feature. But are there any other things that you kind of practical tips that you give for making that space for silence and for uh, solitude? 
Mm. Um, yeah, I, I really do like the tip about the phone. I didn't know it did that either. Um, so now I'm going to spend yeah. 30 minutes trying to figure yes, it out. Exactly. Right. <laughs> we might need to put instructions um, in the show notes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I, one thing I really that helps me and has helped me for years is just knowing what I'm going to study. I find it really intimidating um, to go to a Bible to the Bible sometimes and just sit down with the whole thing. Mm, and right. I, that, I, you know, it just feels intimidating. Whereas when I have something to help me, I, I've used study guides really my entire Christian walk. And that helps me. I mean, it also helps me if I have like a Bible in a year program and I'm checking yeah. it off because then I, it, it, it almost serves as my accountability yeah. partner. Um, oh, you're a few days behind here, you know, and <laughs> right. you can just, we can just get busy and forget and go about our day. And so it's a helpful check for me of, you know, okay. Um, this is because to me, time with the Lord is, um, similar for my soul, like eating good food and exercises for my body. Mm. You know, we can go weeks and months without exercise and without eating well, and our bodies start to show it. We get sluggish. And and I think the same is true of us spiritually. We, you know, we start to see the irritability, the impatience, the unkindness, all these things well up in our heart. Well, you know, a lot of that, those are just the symptoms of spiritual sluggishness is what I call it. And so, so, you know, those are the signs not to say you're a failure, but to say, go back to just the stillness with the Lord. And so for me, it helps to have, um, a plan that I would say that's the biggest thing for me is to know what I'm going to study when I sit down. And it, and it also helps me to have a Bible study or something for that same accountability. Cause I know we're going to talk about it that week. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just simple ways that have helped me through, through the years to stay consistent in time, time with the Lord. Yeah, that's great. I, I too am often overwhelmed when I'm just like, yeah. Oh, let me just sit down and read my Bible. Mm-hmm. And I am overwhelmed with what to choose to read out of it. So, yes, those kinds of things like a reading plan and a Bible study help me as well. That's great. Do you want to ask the last question? Well, sure. Um, Melissa, what is something that you have been marked by? Um, I I love this question. And I thought about these different things when, when I was thinking about what to say about what I've been marked by. And I have to say, and I hope this does not sound too much like a Sunday school answer. I do not mean it to be, but it really is truly the thing I can say that has marked my life. When I was 14, my parents for Christmas gave me a Bible in the year. And I started for some reason, I have no idea. They put no pressure on me to read it every day. Um, I have no idea why I thought this would be a great thing to do. I, I'm pretty sure I thought I was going to figure out the key to Revelation. Right. <laughs> Bible through. I'm going to be able to solve when Jesus is coming back for hey, everyone. Let else. us know if you um, figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that started this habit. Um, and I can say, I mean, and this is, it's been 30 years of daily walking with the Lord. And I don't have a seminary degree. I don't have a Bible degree, but I can say there's little bits of knowing scripture over a long life of doing it leads to, to Bible knowledge, if if that makes sense. And so I'm Mm -hmm. so thankful, um, for those little pieces of what I call manna every day, um, that the Lord just by his grace, that it's changed my life. I feel Mm -hmm. like the Lord has protected me through his word. He has guided me through his word. He has comforted me through his word. 
I have gotten to know him through his word. So he feels like my friend. Yeah. Some days I get to my Bible study and I just laugh at the Lord. And I'm like, you put me in this passage today because you knew I had some issues and I needed to deal with. And it's just the exact passage I needed to be in oh, that yeah. day. And so it's, it, it really, I can say that Jesus and the Lord is my friend. He like I, I feel like he has been with me my entire Christian experience. Mm. And I'm so thankful. Um, I'm so thankful for God's word and how the Lord speaks to us through it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's marked my life more than anything else. Just that kindness of the Lord to give me his word and to comfort me when life is hard and to revive me when I'm tired. Um, it's, it's definitely the thing that has marked my life the most. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love mm -hmm. that. That's just so like, I may that be said of all of us. I know. I know. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it may be the Sunday school answer, yeah. but that's exactly what we all want oh, yeah. for our lives. Absolutely. So. so good. And, and I think along those lines, there was one thing I wanted to ask you after I sat in um, a breakout session that you taught this summer on growing and discernment. And, um, and I remember you said something to the effect of, and I will probably get this in, feel free to correct me if I say this wrong, <laughs> but this is just stuck in my brain how, of how you were trying to encourage us as leaders to, to not just go around telling women what not to listen to, what to listen to, who to read, who not to read, but to truly grow in our discernment and knowledge of his word that would, that would then help us to, to better be discerning of the things that are put in front of us. Is that kind of, am I saying that kind of the correct direction? Yes, 100%. Okay. It came from my friend who is a bank teller mm. and the way they teach them to to learn counterfeit is they only let them see real money for like 30 days. That's all they, and they give you signs and markers of the real money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as they start throwing in some counterfeit, you can immediately recognize it. But what my friend Angela told me was there's a million ways you can make counterfeit money. So you can't learn all the types of counterfeit. Yeah. What you can do, there's only one true money. Yeah. You know, there's only one way to make real money. You can just show people the truth, and that's going to help them figure out what is false. Yeah. And that that imagery has stuck in my head of, oh, I need to just teach women the word. Yeah. And the you know through that they're going to start to understand what is false. Mm -hmm. You know, but we don't have to go around saying, oh, don't read that. That because yeah, sometimes you need to read what's what's false to your understanding, what lies are circulating right. in, uh, among your women. Um, and but I, I, but I do think we just get more attuned to it because of spending time in what is true. Yeah. Um, and that helps us. So good. Yeah. And that goes right along with what you were saying about what you've, how you've been marked by the word, that mm -hmm. the more that you know it, the more it becomes who we are. And I feel like I've shared this example on the podcast before, but I remember, um, when I was working in girls ministry early on, um, we were talking about modesty one time and made this video and the guy who was editing the video just looked at me and said, Mary Margaret, the more that these girls fall in love with Jesus, the less you're going to have to talk about stuff like this. And, mm -hmm. and it just, those same ideas yeah. of just, you know, the more that we know Christ and his word, the more we understand and dig in, the more that we're going to mm -hmm. like the rest of these things, we see it through the lens of how Christ right. sees it, that we become more like him in our actions and in our words and what we do. And to bring it back to Philippians, yeah, it's whatever is true. Think about those things, mm. and so, and the only way we're going to think about it is if we're, if we know it, if we're reading it and learning it, and so, and what is true is God's word. So, yeah. 
It all comes back together. It sure does. I love it. (laughs) Goodness. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for visiting with us today. This has just, it's truly been a joy to visit with you. Yes. And and just to get to hear some of your heart and what the Lord's doing in and through you. And um, I know our listeners are really going to have enjoyed um, just hearing your perspective and your thoughts on things. And we will link to um, a bunch of the things that that Melissa has mentioned today to where she writes online, how you can get in touch with her and follow her online. And Um, just all of those things in the show notes. So don't forget to visit lifewaywomen.com forward slash podcast for all of those details. And we will see you next time. Hey friends, if you enjoyed that interview with Melissa as much as we did, we think you would like to check out some of our Bible study authors. They write for the Gospel Coalition where Melissa also writes. And these people are Jen Wilkin and Gloria Furman. And they have Bible studies like Raised Together by Gloria Furman, which is a study on Colossians, and First Peter by Jen Wilkin, uh, which is a study on First Peter, and talks about the hope that we have uh, and being living vessels of that hope. And you might enjoy those studies. Those are branded with the Gospel Coalition, so we worked in partnership with them. But those two authors also have God of Creation, Missional Motherhood. Um, and God of Covenant coming in January from Jen Wilkin. And that's on the rest of Genesis, Genesis 12 through 50. So uh, we think you would like to check those out uh, if you enjoyed this interview. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MaryMargaretC and at EDHeinman. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find LifeWay Women on all social media channels at LifeWay Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifeWayWomen.com forward slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the show. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for teen girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.